Welcome to Six Pack. I'm your host, Erin Inselman. This is an uncut show that supports parents in the enjoyment of raising children and having the fire and spirit to do life, with a side of sarcasm and humor, of course. I'm a mom of six, a wife, and a business owner in the health and fitness industry. Each week, myself and other experts will be sharing pointers and stories on parenting, self-growth, health and fitness, and relationships. Join me for this real and raw show dedicated to sharing tips, tribulations, and the triumphs of everyday life. Today, I have the privilege of interviewing um, Orska Hudea, and Orska is a single mother of three and a domestic violence survivor. She is dedicated to bringing healing to other survivors. Orshka is a certified Canfield trainer, meaning that she was trained by one of the greatest mentors of all time, Jack Canfield. Her training and personal journey enhance Orshka's ability to see things logically and empathetically in most situations. She's been passionate about supporting others throughout her life. Now it is her mission to guide domestic violence survivors to their own path to living their complete life. Orshka is an author and writes weekly blogs on the medium. You're invited to get to know how her journey and her programs have begun and to learn a little bit more about her on outofthequicksand.com. In our show notes, there are additional links if you'd like to get in contact with Orshka or learn more about her journey as well. But I am so pleased to welcome our guest today, and I hope you enjoy this episode. Today, we have an amazing guest with us. Orshka has actually gone through quite a journey herself, and she is a survivor of domestic violence. She is a single mother. She is certified with Jack Canfield through the Canfield training, and she is also an author as well, in addition to a lot of other things that she has going on. So I'm so, so grateful to welcome her today and let her tell you a little bit about her journey. I know that some of our listeners will definitely be able to relate to the path that she has been on. So thank you for joining us. Erin, it's totally my blessing. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. So in brief conversation before we had started, you said, you know, you're, you're an open book. And if you're okay with it, can we just kind of begin with just some of the struggles that maybe you started with in your relationship And then what you did and the strength that you found within yourself to pull yourself out of a situation that wasn't healthy for you or your children. Absolutely. So the struggle actually began before the relationship. Honestly, it's called low self-esteem. And oftentimes women and men alike get into domestic violence situations as adults. So we're talking adults here. Oh, and before we begin, Mm -hmm. this may trigger some people. And that's very important for your listeners to know that you know, there is a trigger warning because we are talking about domestic violence. And so just please take care of yourself. If you feel triggered, then continue on the path and, you know, come back to this at a later point. It's just very, very important. No, I I like that you said that. I like that you prefaced that, that to begin with. Absolutely. So realistically, it all began before I even met the abuser. And It began because of my low self-esteem. I had been divorced. I had two young daughters and I didn't feel worthy of love, of pure love, of agape love. I didn't feel worthy of much because of the low self-esteem. So the situation began before the situation began. It was a precursor, right? And that's what 
so many people seem to miss that domestic violence situations happen because of low self-esteem. They happen because we don't feel worthy of anything more than attracting somebody Absolutely. who's that way, right? So we, we hear like our vibe, just uh, how's the saying go? Our vibe, something about the tribe, like our vibrations will bring our tribe with us and when right. your vibrations are low, oh, our vibe attracts the tri- our tribe. There we go. I knew I'd get it out. So when our vibrations are low and we feel unworthy, then that's the kind of person we attract to Absolutely. ourselves. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's simple, simple into. principles of law of attraction. Absolutely. And that's really where I was in life at that point. And so I attracted an abuser. Thankfully, he gave me an amazing son and I'm forever grateful. And he gave me some seriously beautiful gifts wrapped in some seriously thick, coarse sandpaper, right? Do you want to unwrap any of that? Sure. Well, the best gift is the gift of my son, correct? But because of the way he treated me, because I allowed him to treat me that way, because of my low self-esteem, I didn't understand boundaries. I didn't understand self-care. That was a foreign, those were foreign concepts to me. So because of my low self-esteem, I allowed this other human to treat me in a pretty vile way. And, you know, through emotional abuse, mental abuse, and physical abuse, those were the gifts he gave me that now I can stand on that story and help other survivors actually live life as opposed to survive life. Right. So, so I'm, I'm grateful for them. When you were in that relationship and in that situation, you spoke of low self-esteem, meaning walking into that relationship, even before the relationship started having that confidence about yourself or lack of confidence about yourself. Sure. And so within that relationship, was there like a specific turning point that it was just enough as enough or was it kind of a gradual thing where I need to do better? I need to get out of this situation. I need to, you know, find safety for my children, for sure. myself. So I guess what was kind of your, your driving force and, and how did you pull yourself out of that, that quicksand or those grips? Sure. Great question. So I knew the red flags and I saw them, but because this was not my first marriage, I was like, you know, pretty much hell bent on making sure that it works because culturally, you know, there's, there's a stigma on single parents, let it be moms or dads. And Mm -hmm. you are taught from a young age that success is in a dual parent family. And that's the ideal, you know, you read the books and there's a mom and dad. And so I was really, really, really determined on making this situation work, even if it killed me. Anything goes right. Yeah. Anything goes right. And I knew the emotional stuff was there and I knew the mental manipulation was there because he would say something and I knew I remembered it very clearly, but then a week later say, no, that's not what I said at all. So then it makes me question myself. And this is just typical behavior for a narcissist. I was married to like your, your typical narcissist. Okay. And I knew that it was time to get out, but I was still just, I was visiting family we were living in Oklahoma at the time and I was visiting family in the North and I knew it was time to get out, but I was just one more go around. You know, I was like, we can make it work or at least I can stay in the same area so we can co-parent my son. You know, like we're going to make this work. Even if we're divorced, we'll still make it work for the kids because with my daughter's father, I have two daughters as well. And we, we made it work, you know, even cross country, we made it work. And the moment that, 
I realized there's no way it's going to work is when he raped me. Mm. And I said to myself, if you're willing to rape your wife, what are you going to do to my daughters who are nine and 11 and are coming of age? Right. Not okay. And if you're willing to rape me once, then when did the punches start happening? When did the hammers to the anatomy start happening? You know, all the horrible things that you hear that women don't get out with the first punch in the face and men don't get out with the first punch in the face. Or that um, people don't speak about. Right. Because there's a stigma. Like mm-hmm. everything has to, you know, especially with Facebook, everything has to be pristine and look all great and fabulous. Right. And I lived that lie. You know, I put on Facebook that I'm living my best life when in reality, I was living my saddest life. I was living my scariest life. I was living a life that I never would wish upon anybody, even the abuser. Mm-hmm. So are your children older now? How much they are? Okay. Yes. So, so we've been free for 10 years. 10 years. Okay. Yeah. So in looking back on that and your kids being, especially your daughters being at such a young age and everything, not only the, the fear that you had for your own three children, but were you seeing it taking a toll as well? Were you seeing an effect on them or was a lot of this behind closed doors to where it, they didn't really know what was going on? He and my oldest daughter, because she's a strong-willed child, definitely. And she's an outspoken strong-willed child. My middle daughter is strong-willed, but she's quiet about it. Her. He and my, <laughs> yes. He and my oldest did not get along. And there were times, many times, that I did my absolute best to protect her. Right. And he would just say horrible things. And, you know, if she mm-hmm. doesn't behave, then I'm going to take her out back and take care of her. And I was like, over literally my dead body. Right. you ever touch my children. Right. So I did definitely see that it was taking a toll on my oldest. She was, she was starting to spiral down in her own quiet way. Mm -hmm. Um, My middle one is everybody's favorite. And so she did no wrong and everybody loves her. And my youngest, my son, it was only three when we left, but there were, I saw behavior changes in him as well, you know, starting from the age of two. So it was time. It was time. Yes. So Maybe for some of our listeners who are in a similar situation like that, would you mind going into a little more depth about some signs that you recognized within not only yourself, but within that relationship as well, in case some of our listeners are kind of, you know, at that crossroad where they're wondering, is this domestic violence? Is it not domestic violence? Right. Where is that fine line? And it's a pretty distinct fine line. So it's really not that fine, honestly. So controlling. So if he insists on looking at your phone, but you're not allowed to look at his, like I didn't start locking my phone until I realized that his phone was locked. I was like, there's absolutely no point, you know, in that if you're in a marriage, so phone being locked, following me places saying, you know, why are you going to that person's house? And you're just like, because she's my friend and she's been my friend before I even had this relationship, but you're welcome to come with me, you know, putting, making sure that you're gussied up all the time and you look trophy wife-ish, right? And buying you clothes that you're not in. If you're not comfortable wearing scanty clothes, then don't wear them, right? You know, but because I was really, really determined to make the marriage work, I put the clothes on. Of course. There were just situations where, you know, it's like, why are you yelling at me for something simple like not wearing makeup while I'm gardening? I'm gardening, people. It's Oklahoma. Right. It's July. It's hot. <laughs> it's really, really hot. <laughs> <laughs> Michigan in July. Right. Hot. 
So, yeah, I mean, there were plenty of red flags, you know, um, just keeping tabs on you all the time. Folks, that's not healthy. Like in a healthy relationship, whether it's marriage or just a relationship dating wise, if the person's keeping tabs on you and wanting to know where your every move is, that's a problem. Mm -hmm. That's lack of trust. And that's a recipe for failure in a relationship. Yeah. And so I guess what gave you, I mean, you, you talked a little bit about like kind of when that tipping point was. Mm-hmm. So then what was your plan? How did you get out? Right. So I'm a logical thinker. And even in the midst of being raped, I was able to think, well, I can't scream because I have four children because his son and then my three okay. in the rooms adjacent to us. So that's not going to, what's that going to do to them? Right. So protect the children at all costs, first and foremost, right? Mm-hmm. Can't scream. Can't take the loaded gun because he's 220 pounds and I'm 105. So by the time I get to the gun, I'm done, right? Or if for some reason I'm able to make, these are literal thoughts that I had in the midst of being raped because I had to disassociate. Yes. Right. So I was like, what are my next steps? And I thought if I do get the gun and I shoot them, then those four beautiful children, they'll be dispersed and I have to fight for my innocence. Right. Um, So that wasn't an option. So he went to work. I uh, cried myself to sleep because I cried during the rape and I cried myself to sleep and he went to work and I called um, my family the next day and I said, I need out. And they said, how quickly? And I said, well, I can wait a week. And they're like, are you, you know, I told them that I got raped and they were like, are you going to get raped again? And I said, no, thankfully I'm cycling the coming weeks. So, (laughs) you know, that's a blessing in disguise. And that was one of the things where the abuser said, well, isn't it convenient that you have your period right now? Mm-hmm. I'm like, yes, because we can control that as women. I, mean, <laughs> I guess with the birth control pill, yes, but I wasn't, you know, wasn't right. doing that. So it was like, mm, mm-hmm. that's not, that's not really true. So, you know, those little, those little comments of like, right. Oh, those course. digs constantly, mm-hmm. continually breaking down you even more. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, yeah. And so I just called my family and I said, I need out. And we devised an escape plan and I was, I went to the sheriff's department. So for those of your listeners who need to get out, think logically through the process, have money saved up because you're going to need money for a U-Haul or know the number of a shelter or, you know, call 911. I mean, if it's bad enough and you run away, have your phone with you and call 911. But I was able to go to the sheriff's department and say, I am leaving town with my three children. This is what happened. This is where I'm going because I knew where I was going. You can reach me here. What do you need from me? They were like, get to safety and then write your statement. So very, very cooperative. No interrogation, no questions. The fact that this woman is coming to us, she's laying it all out. She's letting us know her location to where nothing could be held against you to where you were taking kids. Correct. So there was no possible ability for kidnapping so oftentimes the narcissist will and I've, I've seen it time and time again yeah. where the kids get taken away because the mom is accused of kidnapping well kidnapping in definition is not allowing the child to speak to the parent right and so when he would call and be like here's your son if you want to talk to him mm-hmm. so never once did I deny the ability to communicate right you know just because we were five states away exactly that's not kidnapping so what was his response initially, why'd you take my truck? No, initially it was, where's my truck? Where's my truck? Where's my truck? And I was like, 
the house is empty. Three right. kids are gone and so is your wife and your responses were, where's my truck? And that's just, exactly. yeah. Hook, line, sinker solidified that I absolutely made the best decision no matter what comes my way. I was like, <laughs> that's why we're not staying. Where's my truck? <laughs> not how are you? Not are you safe? Where's my truck? That's how he responded. And then blew up my phone. Okay. And called me all sorts of horrible, horrible sure. things. Of course. Yes. Did he ever try to come after you? Did sure. Yeah. Okay. Absolutely. Yes, yes, yes. He, um, there was a specific situation where he spoke with my son for, mind you, my son was like three at the time, four maybe. And he spoke with my son for a solid hour on the phone and then sent out the police for a well child check and woke up my brother's entire family. So we were living with my brother. So they have three kids. So there were nine of us, something like that. Yeah. Nine of us in the house, nine 30 at night, the police come knocking on a school night. You're kidding. Even no, even though he just talked to his son 20 minutes before for a solid hour, who keeps their kid on the phone for an hour? Right? Right. But again, I allowed it by this time, not because of low self-esteem, but because I didn't want to be accused of not allowing. Right. Like I was crossing my T's and dotting my I's. And right. That's, sure I was that's actually another. I mean, I've got all these questions popping up in my head, but did you document? Were you documenting everything? Things? Okay. Everything. I just want to point those things out for those of our listeners absolutely. who are in a situation like this. So absolutely. that they have at least some thoughts and tools and guidance from you. Absolutely. Not only did I document, but the phone conversations between my son and the abuser were always on speaker. Okay. Always. Mm-hmm. So that I can hear everything. So okay. um, good. Sometimes the conversations between me and the abuser were on speaker when it was my best friend and when it was appropriate, right? Sure. I'm not going to have colorful adjectives thrown at me in front of my children. That's right. unnecessary. Right. And I never use the kids as a pawn. I never, you know, never threw shade. Even now, you don't know who the abuser is. I just call him the abuser. You know, there's right. no, nothing positive that's going to come out of throwing shade at the other human being, no matter how hurt, no matter how angry, no matter mm-hmm. how despicable the you know situation was. That's only going to harm you more. So right. that's really important. Yeah, absolutely. So you you went to a safe place. You went with family, family right. that you could trust. So kind of from the other side of it, obviously, you know, when I think of my own family and, and my sisters and everything, I mean, I would do anything for them, anything to protect them yeah. and to help them. And so it sounds like, you know, your brother was that person for you in this situation. Was there any fear on your brother's and your sister-in-law's side of bringing you into their home with their children, with this man that's just so aggressive and who, okay. No, absolutely not. They were absolutely wanting to protect my children and then me, I think in that order, which is viable. And that's what I would expect from anybody, you know, protect Mm -hmm. the kids first and foremost. Right. So when you, when you moved to that new area, Did you also notify the police in that area too, that you had, you know, that you had left and in case this man, I did. I think that's another good point to make too. also to our listeners is that the, the more communication you have with authorities and wherever you're at, it just shows that one, that you're thinking through this levelly with a level head and that there is a real fear involved and you're being very upfront with everything, especially with kids involved. Absolutely. Yes. And when the, when the police officer came out for the well child check, that was really the first time I spoke with the police. And it was pretty shortly after we got there. So I would think that my son was still about three, almost four at that point. Mm-hmm. And I was like, you're welcome to come in. And he looked around the house and he was like, no, this is perfectly fine. I don't need to step inside. 
And I'm like, you can see my phone records that he's been on the phone with them for over an hour, you know, whatever you need, sir, you can come downstairs where, you know, and it's so important to be respectful of authority, especially in today's climate. Some people are, you know, bashing the police officers who do protect and serve. And, you know, there are situations, right? I'm not going to get into that, but just be straightforward and honest and keep your emotions in check because oftentimes the police get heightened because our emotions are heightened. And I know that they're trained not to be, but they're still human, right? So if you go into it with like, whatever you need, sir, come and look, sir, or ma'am or whatever, then they understand that there's a level of respect there. And so they'll reciprocate that respect. So, you know, kind of fast going a little bit fast forward then, I mean, you've established a new life. I have. Yeah. Magnificent. I mean, and it's been, it's been a road, you know, there have been three protective orders on the person, you know, in Illinois and in Michigan. So, because there are choices that keep getting made by the person that are less than stellar and I'm going to again, do anything that I need to. Still after 10 years even, huh? Well, I mean, the last one was two years ago. It's, but still that's a, I mean, it's ridiculous. Yeah. Like it really is like, you don't think that I'm going to notice that you're sifting through my mailbox. That's illegal. It's kind of a federal offense. You're not supposed to look at other people's <laughs> mailboxes. I'm just saying. So just throwing be, it out there. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> so be vigilant of your surroundings. Right. And even like for the longest time when I was living in Illinois, I did not take the same path to it from work. Okay. No, I was very, I was on point all the time. It's exhausting. But and did you feel like your head was always on a swivel? Always, all the time. And even when I moved to Michigan, because he found out where we lived. And even in this new home that we've been here for two years, he he sifted through my mailbox. He knows I'm here. So we got to ring doorbell, like be vigilant. You know, don't think that just because it's 10 years, you're free. In the clear. Right. You're not, you're not in the clear. You're free, but you're not in the clear. Right. So, yeah. And it's just one of those things that's, I would imagine with everything that you've gone through, I mean, that not only the journey, but just that circumstance, that's something that's probably never going to leave you. For sure. And I don't want it to, because if it left me, then I wouldn't be able to do what I do as well as I do it. I wouldn't be able to have help other people out of the quicksand. I wouldn't be able to help other people live the life that they didn't even dream of. Cause I assure you that 10 years ago, I wasn't out yet. It was July 23rd when we got out. And if you would have told me 10 years ago that I would be living beyond my dreams in a nicer house again nothing extravagant but in a nicer house than I ever lived in as an adult I would probably think you've lost your mind and you're crazy a little bit but you know I would giggle and just be like oh yeah that's sweet but I absolutely appreciate everything that I've been through so that now and I will always remember everything that I've been through so that I can help you know give that helping hand out and help those who are free of their domestic violence and are wanting to live their best life. So what were the things that you did for yourself to begin to heal after kind of the dust had settled a little bit? Well, so let me start with what I didn't do. And then, (laughs) yeah, I love that. 
What I didn't do was take care of myself. What I didn't do was understand that I need to serve from my overflow. So, right, your guests may have, or listeners may have heard of this, but pretend you have a saucer. And if your saucer is empty, you are the saucer, right? And if your saucer is empty, you have nothing to give. So it's important to serve, you know, pour into that saucer, all the goodness, and then serve from what spills over. Make sure that you're healthy and good. I did not do that for five years. I had a major trigger. And in that trigger, I realized I had been suffering from PTSD for the past five years. So that's what I didn't do. That trigger, that PTSD recognition allowed me to then really delve into personal development and really delve into self-healing. So I, Tiffany Peterson and Lisa Nichols and Jack Canfield and Tony Robbins and Stephen Covey. I mean, I listened to everything from everybody ever written, you know, Wayne Dwyer. I mean, you name it. And I realized as I was doing this, that I couldn't easily find anything for people who have been through domestic abuse or domestic violence, right? Specifically to that. I mean, I'm following you with everybody that you listen to as well. You know, I'm right. Um, the same for me, right. but you're right. In when I was kind of going through those names, I was thinking there's not anything quite specific for that. Right. right. And it's such a different thought process. It's such a different personal development. The groundwork is similar. Right? Sure. Absolutely. But because it's all about self-healing, self-growth, self-development. Yeah. Right. Right. But understanding where this abuse victim comes from mm-hmm. is a totally different dynamic. Like if you've not lived through PTSD, then you'll never know. And that's wonderful. I don't ever <laughs> know. It's a horrible place to be. It really, really is. And so I became certified with Jack Canfield and I allowed myself that gift to go through that program and I prayed about it and I was like, Lord, what are you calling me to do? Mm-hmm. And he just very clearly was like, do you not see what you were lacking in your personal development? I want you to go forward and fill that major void in the personal development world and be that transformational guide for those who have freed themselves from domestic violence. And I'm like, oh, that totally makes sense. So in going through that training, was it kind of twofold for you? Not only were you learning the skills that you could use to help someone else, but were you also healing yourself? Oh, definitely. Through that as well? Absolutely. Yes. I can completely see that, how that can, those two things can coincide with each other and that can happen. Absolutely. And the exercises that we were taught transformed my life, like it's transformational for somebody who hasn't gone through domestic violence, domestic mm-hmm. abuse, right? It's absolutely transformational, but it's just such a, like, you get that chicken poop from the deep depths of the dungeon out yeah. through all of that. And, yeah. and then to be able to reach that hand out and say, now it's your turn. Let me guide you. Yeah. It's, it's pretty what powerful. A be- what a beautiful thing. What a beautiful thing you're doing to help so many other people. Thank you. I appreciate it. It's my honor. Really, it is. So just kind of thinking with some of the the techniques and the different things that not only that maybe you've learned through your Canfield training, but, you know, even even from other realms, because I'm I'm assuming you have a lot of other tools in in your box. (laughs) What would you say is the most powerful tool that you kind of like your go to when you're feeling and I love your site out of the quicksand. I, I love your motto with that, because when you are feeling like you're getting in that quicksand, what's kind of your your go-to thing that you know will pull you out of that a little faster maybe than some of the other things? 
Sure. And meditation, definitely. And prayer, for sure. We hear it all the time, right? Meditation and prayer. If you do those things, it's going to be great. But for real, it really, really just has affected my life in such a dynamically positive way that when I'm feeling, and I feel it, you know, it's, I mean, yeah, we've been 10 years free, but there are still days where I'm like, I'm not worthy, you know, because that old programming comes back. And I, I sit, for me, it's with the Lord. I sit with the Lord. And I allow him to just embrace me with that undying love that he has to offer us. And then I remember boundaries. So on a spiritual realm, I pray and I meditate on a physical realm because that's usually when I feel attacked most is when I don't have my boundaries up and clearly defined. Yes. Right. I'm not saying have your walls up, but have your boundaries up. Right. There is a difference. There is a big difference between boundaries and walls. Right. Absolutely. So allow those walls to go down when you're ready, Mm -hmm. but have those boundaries available. And when I feel like I've been invaded, it's my own doing because I've allowed those boundaries to be a little wishy-washy. Yeah. I understand that completely. How can our listeners learn more about you, learn more about your journey, or if they're struggling at all, get in touch with you. Do you mind just taking a couple minutes? I want to know what kind of things you have in the works and you know how, how people can reach out if they feel like they're in a situation like this and just need someone that can identify. Absolutely. So out of the quicksand.com, um, out of the quicksand. There we go because I tend to rush through it. If you'd like to email me, it's Orshika, O-R-S-I-K-A, at outofthequicksand.com. And I'm on social. So Instagram is out of the quicksand, out, period, of, period, the, period, quicksand on Instagram. On LinkedIn, it's Orshika Yulia. On Facebook, it's out of the quicksand. So there's a plethora of ways to get a hold of me. I do have a YouTube channel that is out of the quicksand as well. Wonderful. Did I see as well, did you have some workshops or a mastermind or something like that that you had up and going as well? I did, yes. Actually, I just finished a six-week course Uh teaching it. And so I have three different programs. I have a six-week program, a three-month program, and then one-on-one coaching um, Wonderful for six months. And that, you can find all that out of the quicksand so do you have a do you have another one coming up here soon? Are you planning on yes, in mid March, late okay. late March, somewhere in there there's one. So there will be definitely videos to uh-huh. guide people to that. Wonderful. Wonderful. Yes, I just wanted to finish this one and then yeah. take a breath and then go for it again just so that I can serve at, at my highest level so they can Absolutely. Transform at their highest level. Yes. And listeners, we will have all of this within the show notes as well. And all of the ways that you can get in contact with her, you know, that way you can look at all the different resources that she has available. Orshka, I just can't thank you enough for taking this time and sharing, well, for being vulnerable, for sharing this journey with our listeners and for letting those out there know that they're not the only ones going through this and just for giving strategy and giving sharing your story on the steps that you took to remove yourself from the situation, but then also the beautiful recovery that you've had. And so, you know, I'm, I'm just, I'm so grateful that you got in contact with me and that, that you've shared this with our listeners. Well, I appreciate just the opportunity to share, even if it just touches one person's life. Absolutely. They know that they're not alone and there are people who are willing to reach out and help 
you know, you have to free yourself first, right? Because sometimes people are like, oh, I want the help, but I'm still in the abusive situation. Mm-hmm. And you've got to love and respect yourself enough to get out of that right. in order for the true personal development to begin. Because it takes a lot, it takes a lot of strength. There's so much fear that's wrapped around it. Absolutely. Um, that it, it takes an immense amount of strength and support and knowing that you have someone else to guide you and, and like your family that did for you as well. But I just, I commend you on just being that strong woman that you are and being that strong mother that you are setting such a great example for your children. Yeah. I love this. Thank you so much, Erin. I really appreciate the time. Absolutely. Thank you for joining me for this week's episode of Six Pack. I hope you've enjoyed what you've heard today. Please share this episode with a friend. And if you haven't already, click subscribe. Rate and review the show on your favorite podcast player. Have a beautiful week. And tell the important people in your life just how much you care about them. Much love and blessings to you all.